This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. As the Saints come marching to Anfield, can the Reds soldier on in their battle for a top four finish? Well, we'll preview the game, bring you our customary team selector and our match predictions too. And two years on from Anfield's greatest night, what does the future hold for the boys who beat Barcelona with Origi, Wijnaldum and Shakiri all looking destined for an Anfield exit? We're here to get into all of that. Our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorse, David Lynch and Theo Squires. Before we get into things, a quick reminder, though, for you to sign up to the Blood Red newsletter. All our best Blood Red content finding its way to your inbox twice a week. All it takes is your email address. The sign-up link, of course, in the description. On with the pod, though. Uh, Gorsty, been, I suppose, somewhat of a fairly dull week, hasn't it, with what happened at Old Trafford and the Reds with no midweek game? Yeah, and luckily I was off for most of it. I was off from Monday and missed me Thursday back in, so I've missed the, the dregs of the week, thankfully. Um, yeah, not a lot going on, is there? But um, it, it's funny, I'm sure we're going to come on to this shortly, but um, I, I was just writing up the the, the embargoed section of Jürgen Klopp's press conference and I was thinking about the fixtures and I actually think that this postponement could actually do Liverpool a bit of a favour because if they'd have gone to Old Trafford and been beaten as they tend to do or, or not win, tends to be the case um, then the top four hopes have gone out deep but now with the weekend's fixtures with West Ham playing Everton and City playing Chelsea Liverpool win tomorrow night then it actually opens it up a bit and, and gives something for Liverpool to really attack and chase next Thursday night at Old Trafford so um, it's obviously not not what we want to see Premier League games getting called off particularly when it's the, literally the biggest one in the world you know I think it's the most watched football fixture quite comfortably uh, ahead of El Clasico so that isn't what you want but in a perverse way, this could actually help Liverpool chase down this top four, which, uh, let's face it, they need every little bit of help they can get at the moment. So um, Southampton tomorrow will be a difficult one, as they always tend to be these days in Anfield. doesn't matter who it is who they're playing. Um, we've seen that too often this season, so it'll be a tough one. Um, but surely this has to be the one where Liverpool snap out of it a little bit and um, it's a fairly comfortable home win. Yeah, no, Lynch, I've been sort of battling with myself. What's been worse this week? It almost being like an international break where we've had a, a spare week, as it were, waiting for a game to come around or getting all excited for a game only for Liverpool to not live up to the billing. Yeah, I think a few Liverpool fans would have probably been made up. It got called off on Sunday just so uh, didn't have to watch them get beat at Old Trafford again. So, yeah, and I, I think, to be honest, what, what Paul says there is, is, is probably right in terms of it's, it's almost given them a little stay of execution, hasn't it, in, in terms of top four hopes? Because the defeat at Old Trafford, which I think all of us were sort of predicting in the podcast beforehand, that I think we're probably a bit too miserable sometimes. But um, yeah, just with the form they've been in this season, we're probably expecting that. And the fact that they haven't had to suffer that yet, and, and, and you go into this Southampton game, you know, discount Liverpool's home form recently, you just think this is a game that they should be winning. If you can get that win on board, and with the fixtures that are happening this weekend, it's it is it's a real opportunity to say, okay, this isn't over yet. These these five wins on the bounce, which they probably need, and even then might be a little bit tough. It, it, it could happen starting with this game. So, yeah, it, it makes this one a little bit more interesting, I think, and, and still a still a difficult one because obviously it's the team who who beat Liverpool early in the season, so it's it's by no means easy. Although I don't think Ralph Hasenhutl would have been um, crying if he'd have realised how bad Liverpool were at that point. I think it was a, a less significant result than he maybe thought at the time, but. Um, 
but yeah, it's it, it, it's you know it's one that if Liverpool win, it, it gives them a little bit of belief and a, a spring into those last four games, and, and maybe then they can they can go into those and you know it'd, it'd be incredible what what an achievement it would be if if they could reel off five wins and, and get in the top four. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not been crying actually at some of the, the, the bad form Southampton have been in. But anyway, no Ian Doyle this week, so here to play the, the role of bad cop, Theo Squires. And Theo, <laughs> I suppose to just top the week off, we've got an all-English Champions League final to, I say, look forward to, look ahead to. Man City and Chelsea, the two teams Liverpool wouldn't have wanted to have seen in the, the final of that. Um, to be honest, I'm not bothered that it's an all-English final. Like, it's one way it's actually probably done Liverpool a bit of favour in the top four chase as well, because it means Chelsea are going to have these extra uh, distractions right up until the end of the season. Same as Leicester have got the cup final distraction. It's one of those where let them play as many games and have these games where they're competing on all fronts, because it will do Liverpool a favour. They just need to be there to pounce to slip up. Um, you never want to see your rivals in the European Cup final because you'd much rather Liverpool were there. If Virgil van Dijk had been fit all season and Liverpool hadn't had all the injuries they'd had, you'd probably expect Liverpool to be in the final, if we're being honest, the way the run-in's been. Like Real Madrid weren't a good side. Liverpool on their day can beat Chelsea. We saw that at the start of the season. And then Liverpool at their best can beat Manchester City. It's just the way the season's turned out. It's been a write-off and other teams have been there to pick up the pieces. Um, but then like you think, well, the fixture with United being called off, it worked for Liverpool in more ways than one because it means City have actually got something to play for as well. Like if Liverpool had actually won at Old Trafford, that's the title done. So it's either their top four hopes are done or City don't need to put out the strongest team against Chelsea. Or now City can win it on their own terms. Both teams, you imagine, be a bit leggy after getting to a Champions League final. And then hopefully Liverpool can, against Southampton, get three points and really keep it alive, heading to what will be a huge week for United. When you think three games for them in the Premier League in what, the space of four or five days. I know Solskjaer's come out and said he will have to rotate his squad. Now, granted, he's probably going to be thinking about the first two league games rather than Liverpool for that. But it means Liverpool could be in a real power of strength by well this time next week if things go all according to plan. Obviously, on the other side of that, if it all falls apart, then they could be eighth miles out of the reckoning it's just one of those seasons where this has been how topsy-turvy it's been the whole way through yeah we're going to look at those fixtures in a bit as well but let's start with the, the press conference school steen i think first question asked to jürgen klopp today was about the need to be perfect for finishing in the top four five wins from five needed but he kind of within that even conceded that even that might not be enough yeah and he said that a few times now to be honest so um something that he's very acutely aware of and um, he got asked a little bit later on in the embargo section about what what would happen or what might happen if you don't make the Champions League and he answered the question and, and then he, he kind of said hang on wait there we, we've still got five games left here so I feel it's a bit strange that we're talking about not being in the Champions League because we've still got 15 points to play for so let's just go for it and, and that's all Liverpool have, have got left isn't it really they just know that they're going to have to Go for it over the next, well, just a little over two weeks. So it's quite a lot fitting in five games in, in what, what is it, um, 16 days, I think. So um, this is, is pretty much what it comes down to and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I, I almost think if it was just a straight shootout between Liverpool and Chelsea, as Theo points to there with the fact that they've got the Champions League final and, and the Champions League final, and, excuse me, the FA Cup final on the horizon, then they might have a little bit of a of a window there when you consider that Chelsea have also got City tomorrow and, and they've got Leicester in, well, next week, is it? Um, 
But the fact that we've got to keep an eye on West Ham, Tottenham, even Everton are just behind Liverpool aren't nipping at the heels. So there's a lot of moving parts to this and um, it'll take something fairly remarkable, I think, for Liverpool to, to finally finish in, in the, you know, the top four when the final whistle blows. Yeah, you've got sort of, what, literally four teams sort of from Chelsea downwards in Chelsea, West Ham, Tottenham and Liverpool battling it out maybe for that fourth and final Champions League place. But take what Gorsley says there, and I suppose if Liverpool maybe had a couple more points on the board, we would all be a lot more excited for it than what we are. But with West Ham and Spurs between as well, there's a lot of traffic to work through. Yeah, and those couple of points were, were there in the in the last game, weren't they, against Newcastle to, to throw them away. I think it wasn't just that it lost them some position in the table and allowed those two teams to sneak in ahead of them, but I think it was also just sort of felt like the final nail in the coffin in terms of confirming that, that this Liverpool team at the moment with the injuries and the problems they've had this season is is just not a great, great side, really. And I think that's where all of us are a little bit sceptical about the idea of maybe going on the, that run of five consecutive wins to get into the top four. I think, you know, in any other season, if you think things had gone wrong and, and, and Liverpool would be in a position of strength and recover and they, they, they've got that capability, that mentality, they've won trophies, they've, they've squeezed into the top four at the last. But I just don't think it's it's there this season. I, I think that defensive solidity is essentially was decided the moment they, they lost all three centre-halves. You know, and they're all top top-class players. And they haven't been able to replace that quality. I think that constantly moving Fabinho back and forth has been a real issue for them. And apart from Mo Salah, no one can hit the back of the net. So you know, you you add all that up, and it it's that you know doesn't give you a great team. And I think that's that's the real difficulty. Even even though the points gap is small, and and you know there are challenges with the other teams being ahead of them. The biggest problem Liverpool faces themselves, and the fact that they can't put a string of results like that together because they. You know they haven't shown themselves to be able to do that this season. Am I searching for excuses here, Theo, that don't really exist, or how disruptive do you think the whole Super League episode will end up being? Look at the games with Newcastle and specifically the Leeds game. All right, it came out whilst Manchester United were playing, but they'd already kicked off. Liverpool went into that game with Leeds. It was the the huge talking point. Ended up drawing that one. Drew the Newcastle game. That's four points dropped, which if they had, would be three points off Chelsea with a game in hand. Um, maybe it's played a small uh, factor into it, but Liverpool should have beaten Newcastle. They had so many chances in that game. They had the chances against Leeds as well. In a normal season, Liverpool don't get distracted by anything like that. They beat any team that comes ahead of them. That's how good they've been these last couple of seasons. It's just they've got this bit of confidence that's gone, the disbelief in their abilities. And it probably is a little bit of a stretch saying, oh, the only reason they've dropped these points is because they had this Super League distraction over their heads because they've had so many distractions over their heads all season. It's like the whole cloud of, are you missing Virgil van Dijk or whatever's been over Firmino's head, like he's not scoring goals. They've all got these own little monkeys on their back. So it's a bit simplistic to say it is the Super League. But it was interesting at one point over that first weekend where they all pulled out that there was a spell where all of them, including the overseas ones, were dropping points. But then you saw, I think City turned it around, a um, couple of the Italian teams, the Spanish teams. You think, well, they've got that willing mentality there because they haven't been derailed by injuries and all this. And this Liverpool team this season, it's just in a bit of state of chaos. It's a bit of a mess. Um, they need the season to end so they can just regroup in the summer and go again and piece it back together. I think yeah, just on that, sorry, it was, it, it, you know, it would have been easier maybe to put it down to the Super League. I think, you know, those last two results against Leeds and Newcastle, if we hadn't seen those failings so consistently through the season, which is, as Theo says, is missing chances. And then 
in those final moments, not being able to clear the aerial ball and, and missing those, you know, top class centre half. So I think it's I think it's difficult to to assign it to that really just because we've seen that so consistently this season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's uh, look at the fixtures then. Let's look at the running for the sides battling it out for Champions League qualification. We've included Leicester just because of the uh, the last three games they've got there, Manchester United, Chelsea and Tottenham, albeit they are well away from Liverpool down in seventh. But there are, I suppose, Gorsley, when you look at it, loads of these sides have to play each other. Maybe West Ham, along with Liverpool, have the friendliest running, but that's been half of the problem for Liverpool, isn't it, this year? They've been playing the games on paper and not on the pitch. Yeah, very much so. I think looking at Leicester's, um, I think Leicester beaten was a Crystal Palace on Monday Monday week ago, I think that was a big result for them because they were 1-0 down in that. And I think a lot of us have pointed towards their final three games as, as potential slip-ups, haven't they, with, with United away, Chelsea and Tottenham. So I think that was, was big for them. I think they might just have enough to, to stay in there. Chelsea is, is an interesting one. Obviously, Arsenal hit and miss, aren't they? Leicester as well. And, and obviously, the big one at City, which City now need to win. I mean, they're going to win the league anyway, but they want to... Get that wrap up as, as early as possible, but I think um, I think West Ham, you know, against Everton is a tough one. Everton have, have got one of their best away records in the Premier League. Area. I think this season, I think um, I think they've lost eight games at Goodison Park, and, and they've actually been good on the road, which is similar problems to what Liverpool have had. In all honesty, you know, Liverpool have lost six at home and, and generally been quite good away. Um, so there might be something in the lack of um, Merseyside supporters at grounds this season, but. All Liverpool can do is, is just focus on themselves, isn't it? It sounds a bit boring and a bit cliche, but um, if they don't get maximum points from, from these five games, then they're not going to have any hope. So, um, you know, looking at the last three there, West Brom, Bailey and Crystal Palace, um, as you say, guy games that you normally would think Liverpool would double up maximum points, but this season has been anything but. And uh, Bailey obviously beat them and, and West Brom took a point. Um Crystal Palace was, was actually the performance of the season, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, that's it's it's going to be it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? That, that's facing even if they do get maximum points, um, they finish the season on sixty nine points. They're still thirty behind what they got last season, which tells you how bad it's been. So, um, it's going to be tough. All they can do is just, I suppose, focus on on tomorrow night, get that out of the way, and then think ahead to uh, to Old Trafford on Thursday night. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of those fixtures, West Ham's not been looking looked at as maybe the the dark horses. The of course you mentioned Everton's good away record. Of course, Everton go to West Ham coming up, but I think West Ham so used to their fans being so far away from the pitch, she got the second best home record this season. And again, it comes back to that point, doesn't it? Of the other sides in and around it, Tottenham have a interim manager at the moment, so they're kind of a bit of a, an unknown quantity. But for Liverpool, it simply has to be just putting the pressure on and keeping that pressure up. Yeah, it's one where if you can get into the last day of the season, it's anyone's there for the taking. Like If you've got those fixtures, then you look at them. West Ham are probably the ones that you fear, but then at the same time, they don't have the experience. It's whether they've got that mentality to get it over the line. Because if you're judging it on um, Spurs, well, Tottenham are always going to Tottenham. They'll always find a way to mess it up. And I'm being kinder to them than Ian Doyle would be if he was on this podcast there. <laughs> they always find a way to screw it up and it's one where this season they've been relying on Harry Kane and Son and they've been getting the goals they've been getting the results but they've been dropping silly points as well so even though they've got a quite a kind run in still wouldn't bank on them to sneak in and when you look at 
Leicester, or could they have an FA Cup final hangover? They've been waiting, what is it, 40, 50 years to make an FA Cup final appearance. And if you ask a Leicester fan whether they'd rather win the FA Cup for the first time or be top four if it had to be one or the other, I'd imagine you'd have a few that choose the Cup over the Champions League because they've done Champions League recently. And as we saw last season, when they um, had such an awful second half of the season and they threw away the Champions League uh, places when they were second and looked like Liverpool's main title rivals, that's got to uh, hang on their mentality here and see if they can get it over the line. And then we know with Chelsea, granted, they've got a great squad. They've got a lot of attacking options, got some good defensive options. But they're going to play their second string, aren't they, on that last day when they've got a Champions League final against Manchester City to look forward to. Because they know even if they mess up fourth, all they've got to do is win the Champions League final and they're in it again next year. So it is just a case of Liverpool staying in the mix and being in the reckoning on that last day because anything can happen. You look at the fixtures, they've got the away games and those are the ones where they've been all right this season. It's home games you might be a bit more worried about. So out of those, Southampton's the one that's probably most questionable at the moment, considering what we've seen so far this season. West Brom and Burnley away. Well, those are games that Liverpool could easily turn up for. But West Brom could already be down. Burnley on the beach if the season's over. United are going to be very tired after a long week. And then Palace, well, I think Palace, you just expect it always switch off come last game of the season because they've got nothing to play for. And unless they're going to want revenge after, what was it, how shipping seven, eight goals earlier in the season against Liverpool, they have the opportunity there. It is just a case of uh, relying on the other teams to drop points and being there to pick up the pieces. Yeah, Theo makes a big point there, David, about the final day of the season. And I suppose ahead of tomorrow's game with Southampton, that's going to be the final game we're expecting, aren't we? Of no fans being inside Anfield. So if they can take it to the final game and they all of a sudden have, what, 10,000 at Anfield for the final game, it could make a, a real big difference. Yeah, definitely. Because we've, we've seen in the, the, you know, the limited amount of fans that have been let into Anfield this season. have seen some of the best performances, really. So I think it's obvious that it, it does make a real difference. It's, you know, we've, I've seen today as well, something that really underlined it was, Watching the um, the clips from the Barcelona game, doing the rounds. Now, I don't expect ten thousand people to, you know, in a Premier League game. It doesn't mean quite as much to make to make as much noise as that, and maybe be as influential. But it just shows you that fans can play a role. And I think, you know, especially this season where Liverpool things have gone against them and they've maybe not reacted in the best way. And I think fans would be crucial in those moments. So the idea that if they can give themselves something to play for in that last game with fans there, I think that could really help them get over the line if, if it's, you know, they hit a sticky patch in the game or anything like that. So, yeah, it could, it could be a big factor. And I think I think it could be a big factor in, in a few games. If it, you know, if it does go down to that last day, you look across the, the Premier League calendar, some of the games that, that it could turn or, you know, players maybe react to badly to fans being back because it's an unusual, you know, looking at West Ham, for example, you touched on the idea that they've basically flourished without fans this season, I think. That at times has been a toxic place to play football. Now, obviously, you don't expect it when fans get that chance to come back in, but it is it is something different for the players to adapt to. And if, if any team is is going for fourth and reacts poorly to it, and Liverpool can capitalise because they've shown you know that they really need their fans, then you know that that could be a real feather in the cap for Liverpool and could could help them get over the line. Yeah, and ahead of those uh, <clears throat> final two game weeks, of course, taking place in the space of sort of four days of each other, Chelsea and, and Leicester will be taking on each other in the FA Cup final. So you wonder what that will take out of them. As to Manchester United and all the fixtures they've got to cram in, we didn't have them there, Gorsley, but of course, before Liverpool go there next Thursday, they will have a game with Leicester on the Tuesday as well, off the back of 
the Europa League game they played last night away in Rome and then a weekend fixture. So they've got obviously plenty of games to cram in and Liverpool might well be able to take advantage of Old Trafford. Quite possibly, yeah. But you think, you know, United can pretty much put the feet up, can't they, and think about that uh, Europa League final with Villarreal, is it um, the 26th, is it? Um, whenever it may be anyway, but um, you'd... You'd imagine that that might play into Liverpool's hands as well if if Charles uh, starts ringing the changes and whatever it may be. But um, look, Liverpool have just got a grasp of that, haven't they? Particularly with with that trip to Old Trafford, we we said that on last week's pod that Liverpool um, generally don't really turn up, do they? I, I look at the, the one for me was really the game there last season when Liverpool went there absolutely flying. I think it was eight straight wins. Um, Coming off the back of the previous season, I think they were up to about 13, 12 or 13 wins and throws. Uh, this was United team yeah. in a bit of bit of flux at the time and and Liverpool and didn't turn up. So uh, Liverpool are significantly worse off than they were 18 months ago now. So um, they're just going to have to go and do the business, aren't they? And um, they've got to think of, of Southampton first before they can even think of that. So it's, it's, uh, it's just a case of... Um, this is what it's come down to now. It's been a, a testing season for so many, you know, long-term injuries and no fans and record successive home defeats. And Liverpool have just been battered and bruised and, and you know, late from one problem to the next. But um, it's come down to the final couple of weeks of the season. They've still got a puncher's chance of top four. So, uh, as Klopp says, they've just got to give it a proper try. Yeah, throw Super League fiasco into all of what you yeah. said there about the, the season two. We've got some uh, breaking news whilst we are recording reports coming out saying that the six English Super League rebels will be fined substantially by the Premier League due to their attempts to break away. An announcement is expected soon and we'll have to wait and see what sanctions are handed down to them. But it sounds like it is going to be a fine. And I suppose, David, it'll be only right really that FSG cover that one themselves rather than it be falling on the club. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the other clubs. Was it maybe Arsenal had guaranteed that they would do that? They would cover the cost of that. And uh, I know that Spirit of Shankly had, had asked for Liverpool's owners to, to guarantee that they would do that. And I think that is only fair. I think, you know, fans of, of clubs lower down the leagues would say, well, you know, when we've been hit for, with fines for administration that were completely out of our control, then that's come out of the club's coffers. So that maybe wouldn't be fair. But I think, you know, Liverpool supporters will will want to see that the FSG cover that because you know you know they will say that, that it's absolutely nothing to do with them and and in fact most of the people throughout the club can say it was nothing to do with them you know right up into the higher echelons of the club it's it's uh, come straight from the owners hasn't it so they should really foot the bill for that one because if that you know Liverpool are already facing a shortfall aren't they with with COVID we saw how that had hit the the financial figures that were released recently if you miss out on Champions League football as well that's another blow and then. You know what sounds like a sizable fine will uh, wouldn't do them many favors in the transfer market. So I think it is it is on FSG to to find the money somewhere. And and to be honest, you know, I'm not one of those people who, who would encourage reckless spending or, or or for the club to spend outside of its means and 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 lend huge sums from the owners. But I think in this particular scenario, that is how they're going to have to go about things because if they allow the fine, COVID, and you know anything else to to hit the finances, then it's going to create a black hole and, and really make things difficult for Liverpool to build on what they've done. 
It'd be interesting to see where the, the money goes from from the fines because you think well, it was only earlier in the season we had the Premier League clubs squabbling with the Football League and the National League about the bailout payments to try and help them overcome the coronavirus pandemic and all the ramifications here. Like you think in non-league, some of them have had the league season uh, cancelled again and they've been put on furlough and you've still got staff and players not getting paid. And the Football League clubs, the lower downs, they'll be struggling without fans there more than any of the Premier League sides will. So it's just one of those where it would be quite fitting if the Premier League could use these fines and give it to the rest of the football ladder. Do you think they're going to break away from the top flight here? Well, let's protect the rest of the English Football League and give them the money here and just cut them in a good state. And that's what would be the best thing to happen. I don't imagine it will be, but it's just be quite fitting a punishment, if in my opinion. We'll have to just wait and see how things play out with the Super League. But for the latest, of course, keep across the Liverpool echo and uh, we'll bring you all the latest news and views around the Super League and those fines that may well be handed out. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's look ahead, though, to the Southampton game, guys. And before we really preview the game, we don't have much fun to talk about on the pitch. So I'm going to test you all with one trivia question and see if anyone can come up with the answer. I've not let you know before we've done this. So this is on the spot for you guys. Southampton haven't scored, I think, in their last four league visits to Anfield. But on the three before them, they scored one each in those three visits. What links each of those Southampton Anfield scorers? Oh, for Liverpool. Time. Yeah, Lovren, Klein, and Lamar, maybe Mane. No, maybe. no. Mane, Mane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go, Theo. Quite quick off the mark there, mate. I got two. How happy with that? Yeah, well, happy days. Well played, Theo Squires. Right, let's <laughs> let's talk about the the game itself then. And uh, well, Southampton did win at St Mary's earlier in the season. Gorsley, we spoke about how it reduced Ralph Hasenhutl to tears as well, but. Ever since that point, really, they've been absolutely abysmal. Yeah, um, it's, you know, Southampton are one of those teams who kind of just go under my radar. I never really seem to keep up with how they're doing. Um, I like Hassan Tuttle uh, generally. He seems to be um, a, a good manager. Seems to have, have got them playing at times. Danny Ings, obviously, a, a huge miss for them. He, he's the undoubted main man, isn't he? And, and we can talk quite a lot about him really because he was so unfortunate with injuries at the time when it when it comes to Liverpool and uh, as he was out with those two long term knee injuries, Liverpool just, you know, went several rooms above the one they were at when he joined and by the time he came back it was probably a little bit um a little bit too uh, too far for him. But I think he's certainly proven that he's um he's a top class Premier League striker, the goals that he scored for for them. So um he'll uh, he'll be a misfit for them tomorrow, no doubt as well. Minamino, who by all accounts has done well on loan so far. I think he scored a decent goal against Newcastle and, and a nice little chip against Chelsea. So uh, he'll be another miss for them. Um, and uh, Romeo's out as well. Every time I see him play, he seems to be someone who, who's quite dominant in midfield. And he's had a few good games against Liverpool in the past. So it'll be a big miss for them as well. So Liverpool really have, have got to um, you know take this game to Southampton tomorrow. And um, the you know, there's um, nothing left for Liverpool to lose. So, as, as I've said a few times now, they've just got to go for it. Um, hopefully, Roberto Firmino and or Sadio Mane can, um, can snap out of the malaise. But it, I think it's gone up for, for quite a while now that I wouldn't be too expectant of, of either of those turning it on tomorrow night. Hopefully, I'm wrong. But um, 
Liverpool might be relying on Mohamed Salah again to do the business, and uh, he's on 29 for the season, which, um, you know, you should have to think where Liverpool would be without him this season. Yeah, definitely. I think it's two wins in 16 for Southampton in the Premier League since that win at St Mary's over Liverpool. But just kind of on what Gorsley said there, Theo, Danny Ings, you just wondered now in terms of his, his Liverpool career probably came at the wrong time for me. He would have been the ideal kind of guy to have around this season, wouldn't he? Yeah, the, the Danny Ings of last season would have been perfect for Liverpool this season. Um, I think if you look back to some of the quotes that have come out from him, about when Klopp took over before he got injured and like all the Liverpool players at the time, I think in the England camp, wasn't it, when it happened and he was there, was saying, oh, this is going to be perfect for you. You're going to be right up his street, his sort of player, pushing high, pressing from the front. And he's shown glimpses. Obviously, he was such a popular player in the Liverpool squad. It just didn't happen for him because of these two bad injuries. Like Klopp gave, uh, had kept faith in him. The end of, was it the 17-18 season when it was Sturridge who was sent out on loan? He can never quite do enough to break into that um, front three. Obviously, that was the front three at the very best. And it, it was the right time for him to move on and go and play football elsewhere. And fair play to him. He was sensational last year. When he's been fit this year, he's been great as well. Uh, you'd expect him to be in the squad for the Euros. He's been linked with the likes of Man City, Spurs. There have been rumours saying that he wants another shot at the Champions League. And he deserves it because if it wasn't for injuries, he'd probably still be a Liverpool player. He'd have still had those chances there. It'd be that rotation option for the front three. The fact that they wouldn't have had to be playing so many games week in, week out. You think when it's Firmino's been getting the stick for not getting goals, well, if you want a more traditional number nine, there's not many better in the Premier League at the moment than Danny Ings. It's just a shame for him how it worked out. But it's good that he's managed to piece his career back together because two serious injuries like that, one of them could be enough to end a career, never mind two. So to re-establish himself as one of the best strikers in the division, just a credit to his mentality. And I would like to see him get a move this summer and get a chance to prove himself at the very elite level again, being in the Champions League, and not just because Liverpool hopefully get a nice little 20% payoff off it. But it's one of those where where would Southampton be without him, as you just mentioned, their form. Seems a, a long time ago when we think the first half of the season when Liverpool were actually last good well, everyone seemed to be top for week in, week out, didn't they? So we had Southampton top at one point when it was ever-changing before City took over. It's just like we're saying, where would Liverpool be without Salah? Where would Southampton be without Danny Ings? Yeah, definitely. And I know when he came back to Anfield last season, Dave, there was those great sort of uh, scenes after the game of everyone embracing him and whatnot. And he will obviously be hoping that Southampton can end their poor run at Anfield, but a player who they also won't be with is Liverpool only Takumi Minamino, who when he first went to Southampton looked as though he'd really sort of settled in there. And we all thought the link with Ralph Hassanhutl and the way he wanted to play would really suit him. But ever since the early promise, it's kind of fizzled out for him, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a shame really, because you, you hope that would be the start of it, you know, kicking on and then coming back to Liverpool refreshed and, and, and ready to sort of force his way into Klopp's plan. But it yeah, it's, it's tailed off a little bit after that good start and, you know, that's a little bit worrying. I think he could maybe put some of that down to the fact that, that Southampton as a whole have struggled. I think, you know, it, it's not just this week. They they have struggled with injuries throughout the season. I think that's been the main reason that they've they've dropped off from that really good start they had. Um, I think Hassan Hussle has, has proved in the past that he's the top manager he's, and I still think he's doing a good job. He just could have done with with a few more fit players throughout the season. And it's it's interesting, isn't it, really, actually, that Southampton and others of the teams who've, who've suffered quite as badly as Liverpool and, and play a very similar sort of you know high-octane style of football. And, and maybe that's why in this condensed season they've they've been having so many injury problems. So, 
I think for, for Minamino, it, it looked a good fit on paper, but obviously hasn't quite worked out as you hope. And, and, and for the player, you're a little bit concerned, I think, because, you know, he hasn't um, he hasn't set the world alight after those first couple of games. And, and, and the problem is now, if he comes back to Liverpool, he's, he, he hasn't got that confidence behind him to, to have a renewed crack at getting back into the first team or making a real impact at Anfield. And, you know, in the summer where Liverpool are going to have to start looking around to try and raise some money and, and get something in to, to do what they want in the transfer market. Minamino isn't one that you desperately want to sell, but if a, if a decent offer comes in, I, I think they would consider it. And I think that that's a shame because that, I remember how exciting he was when he came with, with Salzburg to Anfield and that he was a real standout for me that day. And it, it just hasn't quite worked out for him. But, you know... I suppose in in the player's mind he'll just think okay finish the finish these last four games or last three games he'll have available to him as well as possible and and then see what happens in the summer but it's yeah the fact he's tailed off it, it doesn't bode well for his Liverpool career in my opinion. It's not no. ultimate Southampton has it the fact that the season has fallen apart because you think if you're a manager and you know you're not getting relegated but you're not challenging for Europe and you're just in that middle ground and you know there's not a buy um, out clause on Minamino's contract. Are you going to play him or Theo yeah. Walcott, who you might give a contract to at the end of the year? You're going to stick with the players that you know you're probably going to have with you next season. And that's worked against him. Uh, I know they've had conversations and they've tried to guarantee um, Liverpool that he will get some more game time before the end of the year. But it's still going to be hard for him to find form. Like We saw that when he was at Liverpool, when he was just in and out the team. He could never get a good run together. Uh, sometimes signings just don't work out for whatever reason. The only benefit here is that it was a, a gamble as such, wasn't he? Because he was available for such a low fee and Liverpool could see how it worked out. Um, what's also going to go count, count, ah, sorry, count against him in the summer is the Olympics, if it goes ahead. Like you'd imagine Japan will want him to represent them and that's going to eat a chunk out of his pre-season. And when you think, well, Liverpool will lose Mane and Salah to the Cup of Nations later in the season, you really would need a full pre-season to get up to fitness, get up to full speed with the rest of the squad to stake his claim. But if he's not going to be there for Olympic duty ahead of that later in the season, then it's going to be someone like Harvey Elliott who could stake a claim. Shakir, if he's going to stick around whoever they sign in the summer, Yotta as well, that there is going to be an attack in place up for grabs in this Liverpool team in the summer. And it's probably going to be circumstances again that you'd imagine Minamino, Minamino won't be around to take it. Yeah, I was going to say, Jugalski, logistically, the way in which the Olympics comes around as well, and it being, I think I'm right in saying Tokyo Olympics as well, isn't it? It's in Japan as well. That's going to really tug at the heartstrings of him to not go to that. He will he'll be set on going to that. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, yet playing for Liverpool and staking a claim in the Liverpool team may well be a similar opportunity for him too. Yeah, I think he's the poster boy of Japanese football, isn't he? So I think you know if, if he if he wants to go, that's fair and proper, and and you have to say fair enough. I mean, it's a similar thing with with Salah, isn't it? The only difference is the importance of the two players to Jurgen Klopp. And just just going back to to Minamino there, it's um, I know it doesn't always work like this, but you think when Liverpool were scouting him when he when he played the the Salzburg. Um, did they not look at the, the big lad playing up front next to him and think, hang on, they're, 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 they're <laughs> what uh, happened to him? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think there was the thing when Liverpool signed Minamino that um, a few of the players actually went up to Jurgen Klopp and said, Look, you, you've got to get got to take a closer look at this lad, and you already were by all accounts, but um, it just seems like it's one that's you know, missed opportunity that they were scouting Minamino for X amount of months and the the, the big blonde lad up front has uh, gone on to to not be a not not you know he's he's gonna be a superstar of the world game for the next ten years, isn't he? But 
yeah, it's um, a fair play to Minamino if he wants to go to the, the Olympics. Um, you couldn't really begrudge him that, could you? And, um, whether he has a long-term future at Liverpool or Liverpool can fetch a decent fee for him remains to be seen and uh, I'm sure we'll find out over the summer. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we get on to our team selector and match predictions, 7th of May means only one thing that we can talk about. And Lynchy referenced it earlier, the 4-0 win over Barcelona two years ago now, Gorsi. But I suppose when you look at the lads who slayed Barcelona that night, Vinaldo Marigi and Shakiri, the support role he played, I suppose there's a big question now over those three and whether or not their time has now come to pass at Liverpool and they'll be moved on this summer. Yeah, in the case of all three, you're probably looking at it thinking, if I was a better man, I wouldn't be putting any money on them being at Liverpool next season. Interesting that Gino Wijnaldum's agents was quoted today, um, basically inviting interest from Bayern Munich, didn't he? He actually named them and said, if, if they fancy him, then you know, let's have a discussion and let's sit around and talk about it. And um, that, to me, pretty much says that um, he's not going to be at Anfield any longer. And it's a shame, really, because he's... Still such an important player for Liverpool and, and we've spoken that loads about Wijnaldum and I think um, it'd be a, a real shame to lose him as a free agent and he's going to cost upwards of £30 million to replace. Um, with regards to Origi, it's not been his year as he scored once in a 7-2 win over Lincoln in the League Cup and, and even that was the seventh goal so it hasn't been a vintage season for him by any stretch. And Shaqiri... Had a, had a few little moments here and there. He, he's one of the few players who seem prepared to try and play, you know, you know, cut and pass through the fences, which Liverpool seem a little bit hesitant to play, you know, regularly. We've already got the likes of Robertson and um, Trent, who like to play those types of passes, but Shikadi was certainly one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really see any of the trio being at Liverpool next season. They're, they're an interesting one, really, to take as a sort of particularly Origi and Wijnaldum, I think, because with Origi, I wonder whether Liverpool look back at the point at which they offered him that new contract after the, the Champions League final and the, the role he played in that run and maybe have some regrets that they did that emotionally rather than sort of being cold, hard analysis around it and sort of saying, OK, is this player going to be world class? I think that possibly could have been the moment to sell him, really. You know, I'd, he hasn't he hasn't kicked on since then. You know, if anything, he's sort of gone backwards a little bit. And, and he obviously is a player who needs regular football. So I, I think there might be some regret from Liverpool for having given him that contract. And I think, you know, you talk about being smart around transfers and Liverpool get an awful lot of praise for that and, and, and absolutely rightly so. But the thing that goes into that is making difficult decisions and, and they didn't make one around Origi. They've got one with Wijnaldum now, which is that he's played a ridiculous amount of football in recent seasons. He's he's 30. You know, he's, he's getting to that point in his career where, where players start to decline. Um, you know, it will be easier and look, to look at him as a Liverpool legend and say we can't afford to lose him. And, and also his performances this season, I think he's been... I think he still remained underrated slightly in terms of just being available and, and linking play. And I think a lot of the issues have been around him, really. He's still been the same player. Um, but I think offering him a contract would be dangerous because you you, you sort of run the risk of, of, of wedding yourself to his decline there. And I think Liverpool, although I, I think he's an underrated player, has been a huge part of what they've done. I think they, they're avoiding the emotional decision, which is to give him a huge contract. And I think this could be... As much as I, I love him as a player and he's been a great guy, he's always been good to us when we speak to him as journalists as well. I, I think this might be the right decision, to be honest. 
It's when if Wijnaldum goes or when he goes, you've got Curtis Jones though who's ready to pick up the pieces. Like he's looking very promising, isn't he? And you expect him to really kick on in his Liverpool career. You've still got like sort of Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita there who aren't getting many minutes. But if they want to stake a claim, they've got youth on their side. They're not that old compared to Wijnaldum, so there's a chance there. And it's kind of funny when you put these three up that out of the three of them, Shakiri's probably the one that's had the least memorable Liverpool career. Yet arguably the one who's got the best chances staying around just because he's been in this situation so many times before where oh, the right offer comes in, you can go. Otherwise, we're happy for you to be this squad option, this impact sub. But at the same time, he's the one that Liverpool could probably get the best fee for because it doesn't matter how much he plays for Liverpool. He is still this darling of Swiss football. He is going to be their star man at the Euros. And we've seen him at international tournaments before um, tear it up. It's pretty much what got him his move to Liverpool, wasn't it? The fact that he had a good World Cup and he had that cheap release clause. So that could really play into Liverpool's hands this summer if he goes and has a good Euros and they does come to the time does come to sell him. But they've all played their part. They've all made great impact at Liverpool. Like uh, David said, Origi's time has been and gone. Like, really, what has he been worth keeping around for for the last two seasons? Um, he's at that age now where he needs regular game time. He's always been this hot and cold footballer. Maybe it would have been different if he hadn't suffered that ankle injury against Everton because that was a massive setback for him. If he'd been able to have that opportunity to just be Jurgen Klopp's go-to striker for, well, three years. But then Liverpool have still reached such standards in this time with the, the famous front three even Origi without that injury, would he have ever been good enough to be out at Liverpool? I don't think anyone would have said that with any conviction. And then when Alden, well, it is going to be a time where Liverpool have to start replacing some of these players. A large number of the squad now are edging towards their 30s. And Jurgen Klopp said after the Champions League final, the squad deserves another year. They got that year. They won the Premier League. As we've seen with this second year, it's not happened for him. It is the time to start breaking it up. And Wijnaldum is the obvious first one to go. Yeah, no, those quotes as well from Vinaldum's agent saying, Vinaldum's a free transfer and keeps all options open. FC Bayern is a great club. If you're interested in him, please do not hesitate to talk to us. Might as well have just taken an ad out in the echo. <laughs> Sounds like that Mike Lone brochure. Do you remember that when he uh, left Newcastle? Yeah, all the clubs. <laughs> yeah, all no, the Owen Hargreaves video. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what, what Genie actually does do to push his name out there. But certainly looks as though it's underway already. But I suppose final point on that then, Gorsty Theo was referencing it there, sort of how that side's beginning to kind of get broken up. And I suppose that will be the the moment for Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, the 4-0 win over Barcelona, whatever does come next for them. But just feeds into the evolution as opposed to revolution. A lot of people after this season calling for many changes, but on the, on the quiet, there's actually a few that have already been happening when you think of kind of the, the likes of Mignolet, Lovren, now Wijnaldum. These guys are all slowly but surely being moved on. Yeah, it's a, it's a steady turnover, isn't it? I think... Was it Jürgen Klopp's first summer when I think around about 13, 13 players left? And, and that was a record at the time. But ever since then, it's just kind of been threes and fours and not too much to the point where you really notice it, is it? I think um, Liverpool's starting 11 at the beginning of the next season is not going to be too dissimilar from what it was in September when they kicked off against Leeds. Um, but it, it just seems to be just a steady kind of replenishment, doesn't it? There's no... Never any major overhauls. And, and Klopp was asked that a couple of months ago. Actually, he, he said, someone asked him, do you think your, your team needs a rebuild this summer? And he said, well, what's your class as a rebuild? For me, I classed that as eight, nine, ten players leaving and, and the same amount coming in. Um, I don't see it that way. And 
Um, he was talking today about Naby Keita, Rafael Chamberlain and, and Shaqiri, and he was saying it's been difficult for them because we haven't really had the structure in place for them to, to play more often um, with the lack of defenders and midfielders having to move into defence and you need certain players to to be able to function in a midfield when it's, you know, when you haven't got your, your, your pillars in place and so on. So that is why we haven't seen the likes of them as often as they would have liked. So um, there, there was an explanation behind why we're not seeing the likes of Oxley chamberlain Shaqiri. I don't, I don't think Keita is particular situation. I don't think he's going to leave. Um, but with the other two, I think there might be, certainly with Shaqiri as, as well, there might be a question mark over that. And, and to be honest, I think if Liverpool um, receive a decent offer for Shaqiri, I think um, for Oxley chamberlain I think they'll listen to it, to be honest. Um, and then that just feeds into more of what I was saying about kind of um, just replenishing the squad rather than just massive overhauls of, of six, seven and eight players leaving. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll have to wait and see how that one does play out. But Ox was signed for, what, £35 million? So I can't see in the COVID market, Liverpool may be making much on that, but if they can get a, a decent enough offer, might help with bringing others in. Let's get back to the matter in hand, though. Let's get on to our team select for the Southampton game. As ever, I'll pick the goalkeeper, Alisson. Gorsley, defence, how are we looking? Uh, well, Nat Phillips is fit, isn't he? Which is, is, a, is a huge boost for Liverpool, so it's just going to be a what you now expect to see um, the normal back four, uh, Matt Phillips and Kabak and obviously Robertson and, and Trent. Any argument with that, guys? No, I think that's spot on. I think Phillips coming back is is a big boost as well. That was I was quite surprised to be honest to see him on the team sheet at, at Old Trafford. Yeah. So, but that was a that was a real boost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've said all season. I hate it when we don't have centre backs at centre back. It does make a massive difference to Liverpool. So it's one of those where if Nat Phillips is fit, you start him. And the Bolton connection obviously always helps with you, Theo, as well. Yeah. For I'll get a few clips on my uh, story the other week on that. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Lynchy, what about the the midfield then? How do you think you uh, so be going about that? Yeah, but the good the good news with having Phillips back there is it allows you to to put Fabinho back in that holding role. It makes such a difference there. Um, he went with Thiago and Milner, didn't he, at, at Old Trafford? But I think it's mm. I think that was a bit of a horses for courses thing. I think he might slip Wijnaldum back into the team for this one, and, and maybe you know go with Thiago again and, and uh, see how that combination looks. And then I think we will maybe see Milner for the for the Old Trafford game. Yeah, what do you reckon on the midfield? Yeah, I'm agreeing with Lynchy there. Obviously, uh, Milner's a, a Yorkshire lad. He hates Manchester United. If you're going to unleash him against one of the two, you unleash him against United. Uh, I suppose there is a claim that it might be one of those games where you could try an Oxley chamberlain or an Abbey Cater, but you can't really look past Thiago. And then it's just, well, are you phasing Junior Wijnaldum out now because you expect him to go? Or is he still a prominent member of this team for the final two, three weeks of the season? And from what we've seen so far, despite the a failed United game, he is still this key player. So I'd expect it to be Thiago and Wijnaldum with Fabinho. Are you agreeing with that as well, Gorsley? Um Yeah, I, I broadly do agree with the point, but just so uh, I can play a little bit of devil's advocate, I'm going to play Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, and I do think Milner will will start at Old Trafford on Thursday. I think Klopp's telegraphed that with his team, didn't he? So um, I'm going to go with Thiago, Fabinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, it'd be nice to see if Ox can get given a run out. Theo, you can lead us then on the, the strike force. Um, Mohamed Salah, I think he's got good form against Southampton. Uh, Roberto, form against Firmino. Yeah. <laughs> Roberto Firmino got a hat-trick of assists, I think, in the, the victory at, over Anfield last year. 
So I'll keep faith in them. And let's uh, unleash Sadio Mane against his former club, see if he can get some form there. Uh, I know it's the, the famous front three and you might prefer to rest one of them for Southampton, but such has been their form this year. You'd probably say Diogo Yota's the one in form. So it's, well, see what Mane and Firmino can do against Southampton. If they're not delivering, Yota's an impact sub off the bench and then he can start against United if they don't deliver. Lynchy, you going with the, the fabled front three? Uh, I think I maybe would would slip Jota in there just because he he, he did name the, the front three, didn't he, against Manchester United. So, you know, again, maybe he's thinking that, having that in mind and maybe giving Mane a little rest just into that, that game on Thursday. So so maybe Jota, Firmino and Salah for me. And Ghosty? I'm not sure because I think Firmino holds it up better than Jota. Jota's more of a goal threat. Um, I don't think we can argue that anymore. But against someone like Vestergaard, if he plays, he's big, big and strong, isn't he? And I think Firmino might be better suited than Jota is to play centrally. And I think Mane is best when he's on the left. So um, I'm going to go with, with the usual front three. Fair enough. What's the, what's the score going to be? I'm going to go 2-0 to the Reds for this one. Ghosty? 1-0. 1-0. I said. I think I said 3 or 4-0 against Newcastle and wasn't even close <laughs> again. So surely, surely one day they will score some goals. Surely these players will score goals at some point. That's going to be Palace, isn't it? The one team they can actually score against. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 3-0, why not? 3-0, why not? And, and Theo? 2-1 uh, Liverpool. 2-1 to Liverpool. Well, that's our expert view to expect very different lineups and very different <laughs> scoreline. And Phil, thanks as ever for joining us. Remember, the link to the newsletter is in the description. Honestly, it just takes you about 30 seconds or so, and the rewards will be endless. Well, until next time, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.